Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show tonight, to chill our spines, Mr. Edward G. Robertson. You may have heard Mr. Robertson earlier this year, and if you haven't, I would recommend going and listening to his first two episodes before listening to this one. But tonight, Mr. Robertson comes back to reunite two suspense episodes to chill our spines. In this first episode, he not only plays himself, but he plays a man named Herbert. Herbert is one day having a midlife crisis when all of a sudden his wife and him go with their friends to a movie theater to see Mr. Edward G. Robertson in Little Caesar. And so Herbert thinks that he is Edward G. Robertson. And so he gets so obsessed with Edward G. Robertson and wanting to be like him. But his wife finds it very humorous that he wants to be like Edward G. Robertson. But as we find out, Herbert wins his wife's affection towards the end and becomes a hero. And it is called The Man Who Thought He Was Edward G. Robertson. And in this next episode, Mr. Edward G. Robertson, who plays a man who is in Canada to spend some time alone by himself until he has to go back to his home in Cleveland and go help his sick wife who is almost at death's doorway but as he is leaving from Toledo he ends up having a pain as soon as he arrives at the hotel he's staying there and so a young doctor prescribes him morphine tablets and he ends up going home with them but each time he goes to see his wife at the hospital he always brings her milk but unbeknownst to no one but himself not even his dying wife or the medical staff he ends up putting in morphine tablets that are slowly killing his wife but not only is he killing his wife slowly He is also covering a personal addiction to morphine that he has. And he ends up doing the unthinkable to cover his rear end twice. Not only does he slowly kill his wife, but he also kills another person who is close to figuring out what his true intentions are. And it is called A Case of Nerves. I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Edward G. Robertson in two episodes guaranteed to chill our spines. And if you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks. In just a moment, Suspense with Edward G. Robinson.
Boy, have I got the hic- hiccups. <laughs> I'll say you have. And the way you're sputtering, you sound like a car that needs a set of new Autolite spark plugs. Now, Hap, it isn't funny. Billy, have you tried drinking a glass of water while you hold your breath? Mom, I'm so full of water now, I feel... I feel like an Autolite stay-full battery. Men never take anything seriously. Maybe what Billy needs is a hiccup. I mean a checkup at an Autolite ignition service station. It might help if I could get my mind on something else. Say, I know what'll make you forget those hiccups and give you a bunch of thrills to boot. A switch to Autolite, Mary. It's time for suspense. Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills. Starring tonight, Mr. Edward G. Robinson in Anton Leader's production of The Man Who Wanted to Be Edward G. Robinson. A tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense. I, I, I'm making this statement in accordance with a promise to a very dear friend. It's a complete statement in every detail, even including those matters which are to me personally most incriminating. Because my trust in my friend is such that I haven't the slightest concern on that score. Or any other. Uh, uh, what follows concerns primarily two persons. Myself, Homer J. Hubbard, and my wife... Ada Samsey Hubbard. Um, even when I was courting Ada, I was aware that hers was a strong and domineering personality, to say the least. And after we were married, well, at first I put up with Ada's constant nagging and petty persecutions as best I could. I put up with them for twenty long years. It wasn't until a memorable evening a little over a year ago that the first dim outlines of an escape and... Finally, a plan began to take shape in my mind. You see, I, I never was much of a one for movies, but uh, Ada and I had gone to see a picture called uh, Little Caesar. It was a reissue, I think they call it, uh, with an actor in it whom I'd never even heard of before. Ah, oh, so you thought you ran on me, huh? Well, get this. Nobody rats on Little Caesar, see? moment I saw that face on the screen, the minute I heard that voice, the world of reality around me simply ceased to exist. I lived that picture. I was Little Caesar. I was Edward G. Robinson. I was dimly conscious that my voice was like hers, that even my face without my spectacles and with my hair parted differently might have been mistaken for his, but it was more than that. It was his personality that fascinated me, and that I assumed... Calm, uh, assured, uh, tough. Uh, kind of a man who made people do what he wanted done the way he wanted it done. Uh, walking out of the movie theater afterward, I knew something had happened that was going to change my whole life. Well, there's a man. Yes. Oh, Caesar, they call him, mm-hmm. and well, they may. Yes. And that Edward G. Robinson, I'll wager he's no cast for milk toast, Caesar. <laughs> yes, dear. <laughs> Is that all you have to say? Well, yes, uh... dear. Hmm. What does it take to arouse a little enthusiasm in you, anyway? Well, Ada... Yeah, you've seen a fine performance. A yeah. picture that would get anybody in the world excited. That's and right. all you can say is, yes, dear. Mm-hmm. I wish you were half the man that Robinson is. But from that moment, I no longer really cared what Ada wished to thought. I'd begun my escape into a dream world of my own making. A world in which I was Edward G. Robinson. As the weeks went by, I began to identify myself with him more and more. I imagined myself in countless dangerous situations, and when no one was looking, I imitated him and I affected his mannerisms. I would start daydreaming at my desk, wondering what the other people in the office would think if I suddenly exposed this hidden side of my personality. 
Okay, everybody. Uh, stay where you are. Will you? Hold, hold your hands over your head. What is this? I don't want any monkey business, see? Now stand back there, Ryan. What? Any funny stuff from you, and I'll let you have it. Mother, this is preposterous. What do you mean by such behavior? Is this your idea of a uh, joke? You'll see whether it's a joke or not if you make one false move. Uh, this isn't a water pistol I'm holding here, you know. You're fired. Leave this office immediately. Well, I'm getting out all right, but I'm not fired, see? I'm leaving well healed. That's where you come in, Mr. Ryan. Oh, please, please, Hubbard, be reasonable. Now, shut up and do what I tell you. Give your hands up in the air, will you? Walk over to that safe. Open it up. Get all the money out of it and put it right here on the desk in front of me. Now, get moving. I don't want to have any trouble with you, Ryan. I'm going to count three, and if you're not moving when I finish, you'll never move again, see? One. Two. Hubbard. Hmm? What are you doing daydreaming? Oh. Better get busy. I should be forced to report you to Mr. Pemberton again. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, Mr. Ryan. I'm, I'm terribly sorry. I can't understand what could have come over me. Well, that's the way it went. At the office, walking down the street, riding home on the bus. My life outwardly calm and well-ordered. Possibly even dull. It was actually 24 hours of harrowing adventure with myself as the central figure. I saw every Edward G. Robinson picture that came out. It was the day after seeing Key Largo for the third time that Ada finally caught me. I was lathering my face and talking to myself. Uh, okay, a rat, you asked for it. You don't come out, say we're coming in and get you, see? And uh, we're coming in shooting, see? What's that? Oh, yeah? Well, only a dirty yellow rat would say that. Okay, boys, let them have it. Well, I never. Of all the four oh. performances I ever heard oh. of, this beats everything. Yeah. What in the world are you jabbering about in here? Oh, uh, well, uh, it's really nothing, dear Ada. I, I, I was just sort of trying to imitate Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> you were... what? Hmm. <laughs> Edward G. Robinson? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's rich. You trying to imitate Edward G. Robinson? <laughs> Oh, don't let me interrupt the performance, Mr. Movie Star. <laughs> come on, come on, do your act for me. Well, well, dear, I, I, I don't see anything so funny about it. Oh, maybe you don't, but you're the only person in the world who wants. <laughs> oh, oh my! Oh, well, I'll leave you to your rehearsing. Why don't you imitate Eddie Bracken or Margaret O'Brien? I think you'll find it easier. <laughs> It was right then that I decided to kill her. For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. Edward G. Robinson in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Billy's all over those hiccups, thanks to Edward G. Robinson in suspense. Shh, don't mention hiccups again. He might get them back. Uh, let's switch his mind to something else. Well, uh, you know how he is about anything Autolite makes. Mm -hmm. Let's listen to Frank Martin. That'll do the trick. Friends, money can't buy better electrical equipment for your car than Autolite. And here's why. In the first place, Autolite is the world's largest independent manufacturer of automotive electrical equipment. Original factory equipment for many of the finest cars and trucks in America. In its 26 nationwide plants, Autolite manufactures distributors, generators, starting motors, spark plugs, batteries, wire, not to mention such things as bumpers, die castings, horns, instruments and gauges, lights, ornamental plastics, and over 400 other products. What's more, Autolite service stations all over the country are staffed with trained men and specialized machines to give your car the best possible electrical service. So, friends, when your car's electrical equipment needs attention, drive into your nearest Autolite service station or the dealer who sells your make of car and ask for original factory parts and service. Remember, Autolite service stations are listed in your classified telephone directory under Automotive Electrical Equipment. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. Edward G. Robinson 
in The Man Who Wanted to Be, Edward G. Robinson. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. decided to have mercy on her if she'd only let me alone. But Ada could never leave anyone alone. She ridiculed me at home and in front of our friends. Sometimes she'd let a few weeks go by without saying anything, and I would think that perhaps she had forgotten. No, Ada never forgot. She would wait until we were in a group of people, and then she would come out with it. Well, my dear, you mean I haven't told you? About Homer's dream world? Uh, no. He thinks he's Edward G. Robinson. Edward... Oh, oh no. <laughs> do tell us, Mr. Homer G. Robinson. When do you think you'll be getting your next contract from Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you folks have got Homer all wrong. He's a killer at heart. <laughs> Just a cold-blooded killer. <laughs> I want to buy a gun. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, what kind of a gun? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't know much about guns, but it, that one looks all right. Oh, yes, yes. It's a nice little gun. <laughs> yes, isn't it? <laughs> Twenty-eight fifty. Uh, do I uh, have to have a license? Oh, not unless you're going to carry it on your person. Oh. Uh, otherwise, we just register it for the police records under your name. Oh, yeah. What's the name? Huh? Oh, uh, uh, Edward G. Robinson. I... I, I beg your pardon. You heard me, Mug. Edward G. Robinson. See? I had made my plan, sir, very carefully. My plan was that uh, her murder would look like suicide. It would be a night when the moon was full, so that I could see a head on the pillow and aim carefully. I would fire the shot through the temple, quickly wipe my fingerprints from the handle of the gun, and then push it into her hand. And as the shocked and bereaved husband, I would call Dr. Wallace. The police wouldn't come until later, and when they did, I would be ready for them. I was so busy laying my plans that I hadn't been reading the papers and had to be told the big news. Homer? Hmm? Oh, I beg your pardon. Mr. Robinson. Oh, please. Would you mind passing the spinach? That is, if you're not too preoccupied with planning your next murder. Oh, please, please, Ada. Yeah, held up any banks lately, Homer? Uh, here, here you are, dear. Oh, say, that reminds me, all kidding aside. Did you know that he's going to be here next week? Who? Edward G. Robinson. What? He's going to address the hobbyist convention. Oh, is that so? Yeah, sure. Well, I, I, I'd like to hear him. I would, too. Oh, I'd love to see what a real He-Man is like. Not just a poor imitation. We went... And at first, it was the most terrible disappointment of my life. Because he wasn't tough or hard-boiled or anything like it. He seemed to be a mild-mannered little fellow, a little shy, <laughs> almost like me. And he talked about orchids and modern art. They were his hobbies, he said, raising orchids and collecting paintings, modern paintings. Yes, but as the lecture went on, I began to understand. By the time it was over, I, I knew... <laughs> And so, ladies and gentlemen, I consider myself twice blessed. Every man is blessed who has a hobby, but I am among the fortunate few who have two hobbies. And as the fellow said, whose fiancée had a twin sister, I love them both. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. Later that evening, I made an excuse to get away from Ada and went down to the hotel where I knew Mr. Robinson was staying. I bribed the bellboy $1.75 to tell me which was his room. I went down the hall and knocked at the door of 708. Yeah? Western Union. Come on in. Just put it on the... Well, say, Western Union dresses their boys up pretty snappy in this town, don't they? <laughs> I, I, I must... Uh... Apologize for adopting the subterfuge, Mr. Robinson, but 
I have something of the utmost importance to discuss with you, and I was afraid you might not see me since, well, we've never been formally in- introduced. <laughs> formally introduced? Why, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> what is it, uh, autograph? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid it's, it's something a good deal more serious than that, Mr. Robinson. Yeah? Well, you caught me right in the middle of shaving, as you see, but if you don't mind my finishing the job while you talk, why, uh, come right along inside. Tell me all about it. Thank you. Well, now, <clears throat> what's on your mind? Well, uh, Mr. Robinson, I have a problem, and I feel you are the person best fitted in the world to tell me what to do. That's so? Well, uh, what is the problem? Uh, uh, Mr. Robinson, uh, suppose, of course, this is purely hypothetical, uh, but suppose you were going to kill somebody. Kill somebody? Yes, in, in, in your own home, somebody who's, uh, shall we say, related to you. Yeah, now, hold on a minute, uh, Mr., uh, Mr., uh... Hubbard. Homer J. Hubbard. Uh, Mr. Hubbard. I may look like a bad guy on the screen, but when I'm not working, I'm just a plain, peace-loving citizen like anybody else. <laughs> oh, 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 you, 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 you can fool people like that audience tonight with all that talk about orchids and modern art, and it was very good, and I quite understand why you do it. A man in your position must have a, a front, of course, but <laughs> you didn't fool me. I didn't, huh? Well, I, I know, uh, rather, I, I knew I, I could come to you and be perfectly frank. Yeah, about what? Why, uh, about the murder. About the what? Well, look at me, Mr. Robinson. I'm a shy, inhibited, weak, utterly ineffectual person. I have none of your assurance, your hardness, your ability to cope with any situation in a direct, ruthless way. Yeah? Well, uh, uh, how many times I, I wished I had, because for... Twenty years, my life has been made horribly, unbearably miserable by one person. My wife. Oh, so that's the way it is. Yes. For years, I bore it as best I could. And then one day I thought, how would you have coped with it? And of course, I knew it once. You would kill her. Yeah, now, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Oh, no, no, Mr. Robinson. I, I wouldn't think of such a thing. Look, look here. I, I've even secured a gun to do it with. Hmm? Hey, yeah. Here, you better give me that. No, no, don't point it. Well, hand it to me by the barrel. Here. Well, put it over here. <laughs> Safer, you know. Yeah. I, I must admit, I, I, I know very little about firearms, and they're, they're quite distasteful to me. Yes, you and me both. You? Mr. Robinson? Well, I mean, uh, uh, small arms like that. Of course, a Tommy gun, that's different. That's the only thing to use. Yeah, I suppose you're right. But I, I didn't know where to get a Tommy gun. <laughs> I was afraid even if I did, I'd never master the art of using it. Yeah, well, uh, now you want to kill your wife, is that it? You want me to help you? If you would, Mr. Robinson. If you could spare the time, I, I can't tell you how grateful I'd be. Yeah, well, you know, Mr. Hubbard, you... Uh, you look like a pretty nice little guy. Your wife must really be an old battle axe to have got you in a frame of mind like this. All right, now I'll tell you what I'll do. I will help you. Oh, Mr. Robinson. Yes, but uh, it's got to be done my way, see? It's uh, got to be done right. You've got to plan these things. Yeah, now, uh, take this gap, this little fleet, for instance, that you got over there. That's no kind of a rod to kill your wife with. Why, the uh, uh, caliber is all wrong. The uh, ballistics would be all wrong. Fix would be on your trail just like that. Now, I uh, got a gat home that's perfect for the job, get me? I've knocked off Orson Wells, Jimmy Cag. Oh, I don't know how many guys with this. Now, the uh, first thing when I get home, I'll send it to your parcel post, see? Would you, Mr. Robinson? Oh, sure, sure. Now, when you get it, just lay low, see? Now, don't do a thing till you hear from me. I'll lay this thing out for some of my boys, and then I'll get in touch with you, okay? Oh, yes, Mr. Robinson. I don't know how to thank you. Ah, forget it, pal. What's a little moiter between friends? I could, I could scarcely maintain my composure in the two days that followed. The second day, sure enough, the gun arrived. It was a, a great, heavy thing, the kind that's referred to, I think, uh, as an automatic. 
remembering its history, I handle it with the utmost care and reverence. I hid it in the garage where I keep my pipe that Peter won't let me smoke in the house. It was the next afternoon, a Saturday, that the phone rang. I rushed into the bedroom to answer it and closed the door after me so Ada wouldn't hear in case it was. Hello, Homer. Yes? Uh, this is Eddie. Eddie? Yeah, yeah, you know, Eddie Robinson. Oh, yes, yes, Miss... Uh, uh, Eddie. You get that uh, package I sent you? Oh, oh yes, yes, I, I got it. Okay, but uh, don't fool around with it, will you, until the time comes. Kind of tricky. Oh, no, 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 I won't. Now, uh, listen. The uh, deadline is tomorrow night. Midnight, got it? Yes. Now, here's the layout. Tomorrow night, you go to bed, just as always, but uh, have that cat handy and leave the front door open, see? I, I, I understand. Oh, uh, say, uh, wait a minute, I meant to ask you, is it uh, safe to talk where you are? Oh, yes, yes, the phone's in, in the bedroom and the door's closed. The bedroom, huh? That's uh, well. Well, now, uh, listen. Uh, a little before midnight, you get up, see? When she's asleep, you uh, take a spot just outside the bedroom door, see? Where you can keep an eye on her and on the front door, too, see? Yes. Well, at uh, midnight, I'll contact you. We'll do your job and then make a quick getaway and you can hold up in the hideout until the heat's off. Get it? Tomorrow night? Midnight. Uh, I'll do everything just as you say, Eddie. I followed his instructions to the letter. Oh, seemed hours before Ada went to sleep that night. Seemed days until my watch finally crept around towards midnight. But at last, the time had come. I crept out of bed, got the gun out of my coat pocket and took my position on the landing outside the bedroom door as he had told me to. And then suddenly, suddenly the phone rang. The plan was ruined. Even Edward G. Robinson couldn't have foreseen this. I, I rushed back into the bedroom, hoping against hope that I could catch it before Ada woke up. But she already had the light on. Homer! What in the world are you doing prowling around at this time of night oh. with a gun in your hand? Why, I... I, I thought I heard a burglar. Burglar? Mm. When I've answered this phone, I want to talk to you, Homer Jeremiah Hubbard. Yeah. Hello? Uh, yes. What? Hmm? Oh. What? Homer, there is a burglar. Is there? Someone just saw him trying to get into the house. Oh, are, are, are you sure? Of course I am. A man just phoned that he saw the burglar. Well, don't just stand there. No, no. You've got a gun. Go on yeah. down and stop him. Yes, sir, but, but Ada... Do you want us to be killed in our beds? No. Go on, I say. Oh, Wade, why do you have to spoil everything? There was nothing to do but go. I crept down the stairs in the darkness. I knew what Edward G. Robinson would have done. He would have gone down and captured the burglar without the slightest trouble and turned him over to the police after giving him the beating he deserved, but... Somehow, I, I didn't feel much like Edward G. Robinson just then. It was at that moment that the terrible thought occurred to me that maybe it wasn't a burglar. Maybe this was Edward G. Robinson. I had no time to pursue the thought further. Let him have it! Suddenly, suddenly, there was a barrage of shots and a confused yelling of voices. In my terror, I suppose I should squeeze the trigger of my own gun. So the began jumping and pressing in my hand. I stepped on something, and the next thing I knew, I was tumbling headlong down the stairs, and that was the last I remember. When I woke up, Ada was holding my head in her arms. She was crying. They made me stay in bed for a couple of days, but... Well, I really didn't mind. There were reporters to see me and take my picture for the paper, and... All kinds of people. <laughs> Even Mr. Ryan and Mr. Pemberton came to see me. Ada? Well, Ada was simply a changed person. Nothing was too good for me. My slightest wish was literally a command. If the whole thing hadn't been an accident, if I planned it that way, it, it couldn't have turned out better. Well, then was the final climax that afternoon when the phone rang by my bed. Yes? Oh, yes, uh, Eddie. <laughs> you did, you did, huh? <laughs> oh, nothing, nothing, really. <laughs> yes? 
Oh. Well, uh, um, about that, uh, 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 things have changed. <laughs> oh, yes, they, they've changed quite a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't think we'll have to uh, go through with it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, she's right here. Just a minute. Eddie wants to talk to you, Ada. Eddie? Yeah, Eddie Robinson. Quite a pal of mine. <laughs> you mean Edward G. Robinson? Oh, yes. He, we uh, had uh, quite a little chat that night. He was in town after I let you. He got pretty chummy. Uh, go on. Hello? Hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, Mr. Robinson. Oh, I know he is. Oh, I certainly will, Mr. Robinson. Yes, yes, I know I'm very lucky. <sighs> All right, Mr. Robinson. Goodbye. Oh, Homer, he knew all about it. He'd seen it in the paper. Yeah, so he said. And he said you were a hero. Mm. A real hero. Bigger than any movie hero that ever was. He did, huh? Oh, Homer. Well, if Eddie Robinson says I'm a hero, uh, I guess maybe I am. turned out better, Eddie. You know how grateful I am. I'm a regular little Caesar around town now, and my married life is all I've ever wanted to be. Of course, there are some things about the whole thing that confuse me a little. It has even occurred to me, I'll, I'll confess that you might have had a, more of a hand in it that was generally known, and that the gun you sent me might have contained blanks, I, I believe you called them, because in spite of all the shooting, there wasn't one bullet hole anywhere in the house. And the gun had disappeared, which confused the police somewhat, too, and the burglars might have been some of your boys playing a little joke. But I don't think you would do a thing like that to a pal, Eddie. Would you? I don't even think you would use the statement that you asked me to send you to hold over my head as a guarantee that I wouldn't try to kill Eddie again. Now, not, not that I ever would. Yes, but even if you did all that, Eddie, I don't really mind. Because as you might say yourself, what's a little joke between pals? Thank you, Edward G. Robinson, for a splendid performance. Mr. Robinson will return in just a moment. My, that was a wonderful performance, wasn't it, Hap? Sure was. Oh. Oh, say, Billy, uh, how are the hiccups? Oh, gone, Dad. I think I lost them during Mr. Martin's last Autolite commercial. <laughs> well, that's fine. Well, I guess it's time to... Oh, my gosh. Now I've got them. Mary, turn up Frank Martin again, quick. Autolite Original Factory Parts and Autolite Service Stations work as a team to help you maintain carefree, economical performance for your car. So, friends, when your car's electrical system needs attention, drive into your nearest Autolite Service Station or the dealer who sells your make of car and ask for Original Factory Parts and Autolite Service. Money can't buy better electrical equipment than Autolite. And remember... Autolite means spark plug. Ignition engineered spark plug. Autolite means batteries. Stay full batteries. Autolite means ignition system. The lifeline of your car. And now here again is Mr. Edward G. Robinson. It's been fun appearing in our suspense story tonight, but uh, just so nobody gets the wrong idea, there is only a story. I'm not really so doubtful. Only get this. I'm telling you, see, you better listen to suspense next week, see? Because uh, Ray Milan <laughs> will be here in the story called Night Cry by William L. Stewart. Another gripping study in... Suspense. Edward G. Robinson may soon be seen in the Paramount production Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Tonight's suspense play was written by Leslie Raddatz with music composed by Lucian Morrowick and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as William Powell, Lucille Ball, John Garfield, Sidney Greenstreet, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Ray Milland in Night Cry. Autolite suspense show. Drive as if your life depends on it. It does. Good night.
Switch to Autolight. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Autolite and its 96,000 dealers present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you Mr. Edward G. Robinson in A Case of Nerves, a suspense play produced and edited by William Spear. Say, Hap, where'd you get that medal? Won it at the carnival last night, Harlow. Shot ten clay pigeons out of ten. Well, that's real firing, Hap. Sure is an Autolite spark plug. <laughs> Guess I qualify as an expert, eh, Wilcox? Well, Hap, the clay pigeon field is a bit limited. But take Autolite engineers. You see, they design and build Autolite spark plugs to work as a team with the coil distributor and all the other important parts of the ignition system. That means Autolite spark plugs are ignition engineered by experts, and they're world famous for quality and dependability. I guess that's why Autolite spark plugs are unexcelled in quick starting, smooth performance, and gas mileage. Right, and these same Autolite engineers developed the famous Autolite resistor spark plug, one of the greatest advances in spark plug design for automotive use in the past 20 years. So, friends, see your friendly Autolite spark plug dealer tomorrow. Have him replace worn-out spark plugs with ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs. Whether you choose the resistor type or the regular type, you can't buy a better spark plug for your car because you're always right with Autolite. And now, with a case of nerves and the performance of Edward G. Robinson, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. I got off the train in Toledo and walked through the station to the street. I passed up the waiting taxi and swung aboard a bus. Taxi drivers are likely to remember you, and I couldn't take a chance on that. I hadn't paid any attention to the bus. I didn't know what the line was or where it was going. It didn't make any difference. I didn't know to lead it very well anyway. I watched out the window, and when I came to a likely neighborhood, I got off. Strange, unfamiliar quarter of the city, and yet familiar because every city has neighborhoods like it. Drab, faceless houses looking almost alike. And then most of them, drab men and women, anxious to make a dollar by renting a room. Now, this here is a nice room. It's the best one I got. The window's on two sides. There's a nice soft bed. Well, I'll take it. How long do you figure I'm staying? Oh, uh, just overnight. I'll pay you now. Oh, well, that's $2, please. Yeah. Oh. Mm. What's the matter, mister? Are you sick? Yes, sir. Yes, I'm very sick. Is there a doctor near here? Hey, you are sick. Yeah, I... I think I... I think I'll go to bed. That doctor... Oh, yeah, yeah, there's Dr. Martin just around the corner. He's young, but he's good. Well, would you call him for me, please? Ask him to come right up. Oh. Yeah, sure. Mm. Right away. Come in. I'm Dr. Martin. You're Mr. Uh, my name is uh, Wentworth, Doctor. James Wentworth. Oh, yes. I just got into town. I'm afraid I'm in for my old trouble again. Oh, what's that, Mr. Wentworth? Trigeminal neuralgia. Ah. I've had bad attacks before. Uh, just where is the pain? Here. And here. Oh, yes. Now, if you'll... No, 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 no. Don't touch it. It's like a red-hot iron, even the draft of air. I know. Really, you should have that nerve operated. Yes, I, I'm going to have it down when I get home. Oh, and where's that? Cleveland. Cleveland. I know a lot of men there. Who's your hmm. doctor? Uh, Dr. Fletcher. Lawrence Fletcher. Yes. Uh, no, no, uh, Andrew. An Andrew R. Fletcher. Hmm. I don't recall him. But he's waiting to clear up a heart condition before he operates. Oh, yes, very sound. Now, uh, how did this attack come on? Oh, the way they always do. I, I was shaving and I... Touched the nerve with the razor. Oh, yes, the trigger point. Yes, very typical. Now, that doesn't help me when that nerve starts jumping. When will you be back in Cleveland? About three days. I'll give you a prescription. Now, hmm. this is morphine, quarter grain. You've taken it before? Yes, that's the only thing that gives me any relief. Well, then I don't have to tell you about it. I'll drop this off at the drugstore and have them send it up. Well, thank you, Doctor. Tell them to hurry. And I'd better give you a shot right now. Huh? Oh, uh... Huh? Uh, you know, Doctor, I... I think the pain isn't so bad now. I, I don't like to take more than I have to. Oh, well, if you're sure you can get along... Well, yes, yes, I, I, I can make out all right. 
I'll hold the tablets until later. I paid Dr. Martin, young Dr. Martin of Toledo, and he left. I waited for the package to arrive from the drugstore. Then I stayed the night so the landlady wouldn't think it was peculiar. In the morning, I got on the train and went back to Cleveland to the hospital with the little white tablets in my pocket. With the little white tablets with which I would kill Louise. It had been so simple to deceive the young, impressionable doctor. So simple to counterfeit the symptoms that I'd seen Louise react to for four years now. It would keep her in bed for four years more. Great. <laughs> for 20. I'd live with the tic douloureux, the painful nerves so long. Too long. Too long indeed. Dr. Van Tua had to come every day now. The nurse had to be on hand day and night to combat Louise's attacks, to quiet the raging nerve with morphine. This was not for long. In my pocket were the little white tablets that would bring her peace. I went into the hospital kitchen. Oh, hello, Mr. Oh, hello, Nellie. I'd like to bring Mr. Baker a milk. Of course. I just give it a touch of the fire to take the chill out. I've missed you. Been away, I hear, Mr. Baker. Yes, I had to go out of town. And you ask me it's a good thing. For you, I mean. <laughs> you needed a change. The hospital day after day was telling on you. Oh, I don't think so. Yes, it was. I could see. You're a good man, Mr. Baker. Believe me, it's like a saint you're bearing your trials. <laughs> Not like some others I could mention. Well, isn't the milk ready, Nellie? It is, it is. There we are. Spoonful of sugar. That's the way Mrs. Baker likes it. Well, thank you, Nellie. And give Mrs. Baker my regards. Yes, I'll, I'll do that, Nellie. Now, it, it was just a matter of stepping into an alcove on the way to Louise's room, dropping the white tablets into the warm milk. The sugar would mask the bitter taste. Oh, here. An ideal spot. Mr. Baker. Huh? Oh, oh, nurse. <laughs> Did I startle you? I didn't mean to. No, no, no. Of course not. Oh, bring just... Mrs. Baker a milk, I see. Well, I'm going up there myself. May I keep you company? Yes, of course, of course. Nurse White walked beside me to Louisa's room. The chance for the night was gone. Another night of pain for Louise. I felt the sudden anger of the nurse. And a moment later, I realized how unreasonable it was. It was hard to be angry with anyone so pert, so alive, so beautiful. Even in her severe uniform, she managed to remain feminine, provocative. It was always a flower at her shoulder. Today, it was a sprig of flowering dogwood. And her quiet, unprofessional perfume was an exciting tingle in my nostrils. And then, we were in front of Louisa's door. Hello, Mrs. Baker. Look what I brought you. Albert, dear. Hello, darling. Oh, I'm so glad you're back, darling. I <laughs> missed you. I missed you, too. Here's your milk. You never forget, do you, Albert? How was your day? Just fine. Wasn't it, Miss White? Oh, yes, Mrs. Baker. A very good day, all things considered. Well, I'm glad. I brought you something else, Louise. Oh, the locket. Hmm. Oh, thank you, Albert, for remembering. Look, nurse, isn't it beautiful? Oh. Oh, it is. It's an old piece, isn't it? It belonged to my mother. I had to hunt all over the house for it. Whatever gave you the sudden notion you wanted it anyway? I don't know. I've had a feeling I'll be joining mother soon. Oh, Louise... Please, don't talk that now, way. Now, Mrs. Baker, you're going to be up on your feet before you know it. And uh, that's almost enough talking tonight, Mr. Baker. No. Mrs. Baker, do you want me to leave a tablet for you? Yes, thank you, dear. Here you are. I hope you don't need to take it. Well, good night. Good, good night, Miss White. The, uh, tablet. You've been taking it every night? Well, I try not to. But lately, the pain is... Yes, I know, I know. Oh, Albert, dear, you deserve something better than oh, this. Oh, please, please, dear. And now, your nose to the grindstone to pay for the doctors and nurses. Oh, don't worry. A little handball at the club and then 
this room. Yes, but you're going to get better, dear. You must believe the doctor. That's what Pauline says. Pauline? The nurse. Oh, yes, 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 of course. Oh, is she looking out for you all right? She's a dear. And very pretty, don't you think? Pretty? Yes, I suppose so. I hadn't noticed. I used to be pretty. You used to embarrass me sometimes, the way you looked at me. But you're still beautiful, Louise. You'll always be. I'm sorry, dear. I won't talk like that again. You... You'd better go now, Albert. I'll try to sleep. Yes. Well, good night, dear. I'll see you tomorrow. Mr. Baker. Oh. Miss White. I thought you'd gone. I wanted to talk to you, Mr. Baker. Yes? It's about Mrs. Baker. She worries me. Her, her mental state is very low. You heard how she talked yes. about her mother, the locket. Yes, I heard. She needs something. I don't know what to snap her out of this mood. I just thought I'd mention it to you. Yes, thanks. Oh, uh, where are you going? To put the morphine away. You know, I don't see why Dr. Pantua doesn't give her more of that stuff. She needs it. Yet you ration it out as though it were poison. Well, it is poison, Mr. Baker. That's why I'm particularly careful about Mrs. Baker. But you don't think she'd actually... Oh, well, usually the ones who talk about it don't do it, Mr. Baker, so I wouldn't worry. Hmm. Well, good night. Uh, wait a minute. Yes? Miss White. Uh, Pauline, isn't it? Why, yes, I didn't think you knew. Well, would you mind, uh, when we were alone... If I called you, Pauline. I'd like it. Thanks. Well, you know, this is a, an awful thing to ask, but... Well, you know, it's been pretty lonely for me. Oh, yes, I know. That is, I can guess. Well, would you... Would you let me take you to dinner this evening? Why... Thank you, Mr. Baker. I, I'd love it. I'm off duty at eight. Well, I'll pick you up then. And, uh, Pauline... Yes, Mr. Baker. My name, my name is Albert. At eight, then. Albert. My heart sang. She was perfect. Everything was perfect. I had my poison. I had my witnesses. Louise had said just the right things in their presence, talking about her locket, making her veiled hints at suicide. How beautifully everything fell into place. I started toward the lobby door when I heard my name. Oh, Baker. I say, Baker. Oh, Dr. Van Tour. How are you? Oh, fine, fine. Say, I want you to meet someone. This is Dr. Martin of Toledo. I looked at him, at the man who stepped forward to shake hands with me, and my mouth went dry. This was Dr. Martin of Toledo who had given me my murder prescription. The eager, bumptious young man who stood there now looking straight into my eyes and saying, Hello. How's that bad nerve of yours? Autolite is bringing you Edward G. Robinson in A Case of Nerves, tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Hey, Harlow, I had my fortune told at the carnival, too. Oh, that's so. What the gypsy see in the crystal ball, huh? Well, you said I would soon consult with an expert about... Uh... Uh, Ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs? Yeah. Well, they're built by experts because Autolite engineers are the experts who design and build complete ignition systems used as original factory equipment on many makes of America's finest cars. So naturally, they engineer Autolite spark plugs to work as a team with the coil distributor and... All the other important parts of the ignition system. You mean, of course, they know how to build ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs that can't be beat for quick starting, smooth performance, and gas mileage. Precisely. And it was these same Autolite engineers who developed the famous Autolite resistor spark plug, one of the greatest advances in spark plug design for automotive use in the past 20 years. Oh, that gypsy had nothing on you, Wilcox. <laughs> well, friends, see your friendly Autolite dealer tomorrow. Have him replace worn-out spark plugs with world-famous ignition-engineered Autolite spark plugs. Whether you choose the resistor type or the regular type, you can't buy better spark plugs for your car because 
You're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage our star, Edward G. Robinson, in A Case of Nerves, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I was caught flat-footed. I couldn't answer. Couldn't even turn and hide. Dr. Martin stared at me a minute, unbelievingly, and then his jaw hardened. After a long time, he put out his hand. Because there was nothing else to do, I took it. Oh, this is Mr. Baker, Doctor. It's his wife who has this trigeminal condition. His wife, eh? Well, yes, of course. You didn't think I meant Mr. Baker, did you? <laughs> He's as strong as an ox. Yes, I can see that. No. I ran into Dr. Martin in the doctor's lounge, Baker. He was telling me about a case he just saw in Toledo. Was well, Toledo, wasn't it, Martin? Symptoms were remarkably similar to Mrs. Baker's. Remarkably. I thought he might like to look in on Mrs. Baker. Uh, you don't mind? Uh, she, she, she's sleeping, I think. Oh, it's too bad. Well, another time, perhaps, eh, Doctor? Oh, yes, certainly, Doctor. Well, I've got to run. Glad I ran into you, Martin. Have lunch sometime, eh? Yes, glad to. I'll see you later, Baker. Yes, sure, Doctor, sure. I'll have to be going myself now, oh, Mr. Baker. Oh, wait, uh, wait, Doctor. I want to talk to you. I don't see that there's anything to talk about. Yes, but there is. I want you to know that I, uh, uh what happened in Toledo yesterday? You don't have to explain. I understand. You understand? She didn't say anything to Dr. Van Tuer. Well, why should I? None of my business. None of my... None of your business? Of course. I admit I didn't have you tagged as an addict. Addict? Yes. You don't look like one, and that trick of refusing an immediate shot, well, I'm going to hand it to you. You fooled me completely. And using your wife's symptoms. Very clever. I don't doubt you can get a supply whenever you need it with that routine. Oh, no, 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 no. I oh, assure please, you. please don't bother to lie to me. <laughs> I guess I ought to thank you for teaching me that trick. It won't work again on this baby, believe me. And now, if you'll excuse me, Mr. Baker or Mr. Wentworth, I'm heading for a spot of handball. Oh, wait. Uh, yes? No hard feelings? No, no, of course not. Look, Doctor. If you really mean that about no hard feelings and if you haven't got a partner, well, I I play a pretty good game. Now, that's what I call a switch, anyway. All right, hop in. An addict. He took me for an addict. Working on any dodge I could to get a supply of dope. Yes, but later, when he heard of Louise's death, he'd remember. I had no idea what I was going to do. I only knew that I couldn't let him go. He drove me over to the athletic club. He wasn't a member, but he held a courtesy card from the Toledo club, and he signed me in as his guest, laughing as James Wentworth. He was a fast man on the court, younger too. I'd have had a hard time keeping up with him in any circumstances, but as it was, he beat me easily. I could think of only one thing. He was dangerous. Dangerous, and I had to get rid of him somehow. It's a nice backhand you've got there, Baker. Uh, Wish I could handle those tough ones half as well. well, Never mind the compliments, Doctor. Just remember the final score and be satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) Say, how about a sweat out? They've got a good steam room here. Yeah, sounds good to me. Here, this way, then. Oh, uh, take your towel. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy, this is hot. <laughs> oh. Sit on your towel. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> oh, that was lucky for me you came along. Mm. Place is dead today, not a soul here. Well, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> oh, hot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Say, Baker, you know, I misjudged you. <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Forget it. You know, you really could do something for your trouble. Yeah? We've got a sanitarium in Toledo that has been having pretty good luck with addiction lately. I scarcely heard him. I only realized that we were alone, clouded in steam, not even visible to any casually curious person looking through the glass square in the door. This was my chance. I'd never get another like it. I picked up my towel. What are you doing? I'm sorry, Martin, but there's no other way. whipped my towel over his head and got behind where his flailing arms couldn't reach me. I didn't want to leave any marks on him. With my free hand, I covered his mouth and pinched his nostrils shut through the towel. He fought hard. 
But in a, in a few minutes, he, he hung limp in my arms. And after a few minutes more, I knew he was dead. I left him there, hidden in the steam. In the locker room, I dressed quickly, parted my hair on the wrong side, and plastered it down in a way I'd never normally wear it. The man at the reception desk barely glanced at me as I passed him. Later, when they found Martin, they'd look for a man named Wentworth. They'd never find him because he didn't exist. It wasn't even that close. The papers reporting Martin's death put the cause down to heart failure brought on by the shock of exercise in the steam room. They didn't mention a companion. It wasn't important. And I waited anyway. A week. Waited and watched carefully. Because now not only Louisa's future was at stake, but my own and Pauline's. There's the nurse's quarters, darling. Mm. Better not come any nearer. Oh, Pauline, dearest. I know, darling, I know. <laughs> oh, you, you must let go now. Oh, I'm, no. I'm late already. No, no, no. Albert. No, yes, dear. I, I, I'm leaving the hospital. I'm taking a job in Chicago. You know what? Yes. This is hopeless. I can't stand it. Taking care of your wife, smiling at her, seeing the two of you together. But, but, but you can't do it. I couldn't live without you. Now that I found you, What I do you can... think this is going to do to me? But I can't. When are you going? I'm giving notice tomorrow. Tomorrow? Oh, my darling. Goodbye. Pauline! She was gone. She said goodbye. So I knew what you meant. When I saw her again, it would be in the hospital across Louise's bed. She'd be Miss Whiten. I'd be Mr. Baker. No, no, I couldn't stand that now. Yes, but there was one sure way to hold her. The little white tablets were still in my pocket. Louise? Albert, dear. I brought you your milk. Oh, thank you, dear. Hold this, will you please? What's that? Oh, your locket. It's beautiful, isn't it? Who shall I leave it to, I wonder? Miss White. She's a sweet girl. Oh, Louise, now don't talk that way, Louise. You're not I'd going like to... I'd like her to have it. I'll take the milk now, Albert. She drank it. I had to clench my jaws to keep from crying out. She smiled and held out the empty glass to me. And it was over. I went home and talked sleeplessly, waiting, waiting for the inevitable. Hello? Yes? Yes? No. No, 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 I'll be right over. Dr. Van Tour was outside Louise's room and a white-faced Pauline and Nellie from the kitchen as I hurried up the corridor. Oh, uh, Baker. Oh, doctor, doctor, can I go in? No. Baker, your wife is dead. What? Dead? Oh, but I don't understand. I thought she was improving that you... that you planned to operate. She died of an overdose of morphine. Oh. Oh, Mr. Baker, I'm terribly sorry. I am too, Mr. Baker. Yes, but... How, how could she get it? That's what I intend to find out. She took it in this glass of milk. There are traces left. Nellie here says you brought it up to her. I didn't want to, Mr. No, that's Baker. all right, Nellie. Well, of course I took it up. I did every night. Everybody in the hospital knows that. Yes, I knew it also. Was anybody in the room when you brought it? No, no, no. Just Louise. And you saw her drink the milk? No, no, Doctor. She, she didn't drink it then, not until after I'd gone. She did that frequently. Well, that's right, Doctor. Yes, I know that, too. Only last night, before she drank it, she managed to dissolve in it a lethal dose of morphine. I've checked the hospital supply. Every tablet is accounted for. We keep a very strict count, you know. Yes, I know that. Have you anything to say, Baker? Well, I... I hardly know. I... I'm stunned. Doctor, what do you mean? Surely you're not accusing Mr. I'm Baker... I'm not accusing anyone. 
That will be up to the police. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doctor. You're making a mistake. It seems perfectly clear. Yes, but I didn't kill her. Oh, no? Then how did she die? Well, she... She, she, she took her own life. She'd hinted more than once. Miss White, you remember? Yes, Doctor. I spoke to Mr. Baker about it myself. You know she was very yeah, depressed. That's true, Nurse, but the morphine, it must have come from the outside or we'd have missed it. No, wait a minute. The, the tablet you left for her each night. Yes, I ordered that. Well, what a minute. Instead of taking it, she saved it. Oh, I... Well, she must have. It's the only way it could have happened. Well, that's it, Doctor. It must be. For the past week, she's been exhausted and drawn in the morning, yet... The tablets were always gone. Well, if that's the case, nurse, how does it happen that you failed to find them? Well, she couldn't leave her bed. You bathed her and changed the linen every day. The locket. The locket? Yeah. Yes, of course. You remember, Miss White? She made such a point of asking me to bring it to her. And then the way she talked about joining her mother. Yes, I do. I do remember. She wanted you to have the locket, Pauline. It was the last wish. Now, where is it? I, uh, I have it here. It's clutched in her hand. Uh, let's... Hmm. Police headquarters, please. You you have to notify them? Yes, I do. Police headquarters? Give me homicide. Please. Homicide? Yes, I'll wait. Are you out of your mind? I just got through explaining everything. Yes, you explained everything, including what still puzzled me. You see, Baker, you were right about this locket. Your wife did have a reason for wanting it. Look, I'll open it. You see, it's full. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven quarter grain morphine tablets that she saved at the cost of seven nights of agony. And she would have taken them last night. Only you beat her to it. Suspense. Presented by Autolite. Tonight's star, Mr. Edward G. Robinson. Say, Wilcox, do you know what else the gypsy saw in the crystal ball? Well, Hap, if it was a really big crystal ball, she might have been able to see more than 400 products made by Autolite for cars, trucks, planes, and boats in 28 plants coast to coast. These include complete electrical systems used as original equipment on many makes of America's finest cars. Generators, coils, distributors, voltage regulators, wire and cable, starting motors, electric windshield wipers. All engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly, because they're a perfect team. So friends, if your Autolite-equipped car needs replacement parts, ask for and insist on Autolite original factory parts at your neighborhood service station, car dealer, garage, or repair shop. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. Next Thursday for Suspense, our star will be Charles Boyer. The play is called The Case of Henri Vibard. And it is, as we say... A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense! Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. A Case of Nerves is an original play written for radio by Lawrence Goldman. Edward G. Robinson may soon be seen in My Daughter Joy, an Alexander Corder production for London Films. In the coming weeks, you will hear such stars as Broderick Crawford, Jack Carson, and Kathy and Elliot Lewis. And don't forget, next Thursday, same time, Autolite will present Suspense, starring Charles Boyer. Buy world-famous Autolite resistor or regular spark plugs, Autolite stay-full batteries, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. Autolite, sponsor of Suspense, is proud to acknowledge receipt of the National Safety Council's Public Interest Award for Exceptional Contribution to Highway Safety. This is the second consecutive year that Suspense and its sponsors have been so honored. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Well, guys, that does it for Mr. Edward G. Robertson and his two episodes to chill our spine tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Please join me tomorrow morning and tomorrow night, guys, as I bring to the show Miss Murray Wilson and Kathy Lewis in the CBS comedy show My Friend Irma. And tomorrow night, I bring back to the show the queen of suspense herself, Miss Agnes Moorhead. And then stay tuned for this coming Friday, guys, as I bring to the show Mr. Bob Hope. And stay tuned for next week, guys, as I bring three episodes to you. My first episode on Miss Miss Margaret O'Brien on Tuesday and then Thursday join me for Thanksgiving part two and then to kick off our Christmas spectacular with two shopping episodes to tickle your funny bone for those of you who are Shopping on Black Friday. And join me on the third of next month, guys, as I start off by bringing on the third Miss Alice Faye and Mr. Phil Harris in the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. And join me. In the coming weeks, guys, as we bring such stars as Miss Olivia de Havilland, Miss Judy Garland, Mr. Jack Benny, Mr. Red Skelton, and many others. And if you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. Have a great night, and always remember to enjoy the show. And also, guys, I just wanted to thank everyone who has listened and subscribed to my podcast. I really do appreciate it. And please stay tuned for those episodes tomorrow and this coming Friday. Have a great night, guys. And once again, always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks.